Lately, it seems that we are getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. This is the church. You are the church. You know, many of us believe that theologically. Uh, a lot of us have been in church long enough to understand that. And we know the Sunday school answer to who or what is the church. But many times we forget that truth practically. The truth that the church really is not a building. And so when we say, I'm going to church, what we really mean is I'm going to the church building. But, but, but the church is not a location. It is really an identity. When you join a church, when you actually, not just when you go to a church, but when you literally join together with a, with a congregation, you are identifying yourself with the doctrine and teaching of that particular denomination. So this morning I want to take a look at really who we are as a church. There's no way we can cover it all in one morning, but it's just a little synopsis, a little summary, if you will, uh, just, a, uh, just, a, just a short version of it and who it is that, uh, that we are as a church. Who is First Baptist Church Perryville? Uh, what, what do we believe? What's the mission of the church? What are what are our core values? So this morning we're going to be in Joshua 22. Uh, and as we go to Joshua 22, we're going to be dropping in on Scripture at a time in the history of Israel where Joshua is giving some instructions to some of the tribes of Israel. They are words from the Lord, instructions to how to live as a people. And as we see that, we're going to notice some things about, about God's people. We're going to notice some things about God himself. Uh, but also, we're going to see some things that are very reflective, not just of who they were called to be those thousands of years ago, but reflective of who God has called us to be even today as a congregation in a New Testament church. So we're in Joshua 22. We're going to read verses one through five. Joshua summoned the Reubenites, Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh and told them, You have done everything Moses the Lord's servant commanded you, and have obeyed me in everything I commanded you. 
You have not deserted your brothers even once this whole time, but have carried out the requirement of the command of the Lord your God. Now that he has given your brothers rest just as he had promised them, return to your homes in your own land that Moses the Lord's servant gave you across the Jordan. Only carefully obey the command and instruction that Moses the Lord's servant gave you to love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, keep his commands, remain faithful to him and serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to see the significance in this passage. Father, that we would understand its relevance for today. And Father, how it should shape who we are as a congregation and who we are as people that seek to serve you. We pray your glory in all that happens here today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I want you to notice here uh, from the get-go here in, uh, in Joshua 22 is a faithful people. A faithful people. About halfway there in verse 2, uh, Joshua commends them. He says, you've done everything that Moses told you to do. Every command that God gave Moses to give to you, you have done those things. And not only that, but for me as your leader of this nation, as, as, as commander-in-chief of this army, you have fulfilled your duty to your nation. You've done all the things that I have asked you to do. You've been, you've been faithful to God. You've been faithful to your nation. And he says you've been faithful to your brothers. He, he says you've been faithful to one another. And so th this was a time in the history of Israel when, uh, when God had, had allowed them to cross into the promised land. Maybe you remember that history that God told them uh, when he, he brought them out of Egypt that he had a promised land. He had a land of milk and honey, right? He had a great place for them to live. They wandered in the desert for many years because of their sin and their whining and their bickering against the Lord. But, but uh, when after Moses passes away, Joshua uh, comes in after Moses, leads them into the promised land. And so within about a year of Israel, of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, inhabiting the promised land, some, uh, some nations and some kingdoms sort of began to get together, enemies of Israel. Con you know, they had one common enemy, and that was Israel. They were threatened by Israel coming into their land, and they formed a, a, a power, an axis of evil, if you will, to wage war against Israel. Now, in, in those days, as, as Israel crossed into the promised land, uh, if you look, a lot of times we just see a big map. Like if you look it up on Google or something, you'll see a big map that says promised land. But if you dig a little bit more, you see that the promised land was, was, uh, was divided up into certain territories. And so there were, uh, there were tribes all over the promised land. Well, well, the military threat and the national threat was happening in the eastern part of the promised land. And so Joshua had, uh, had gathered together uh, a group of, uh, uh, really he united Israel. He took all the 12 tribes and he assembled them together in alliance to fight against this axis of evil. And so, uh, so we see that, but, but the thing is they were all living in the same places. And so there were three tribes, really two and a half tribes, 
that were living in the western part of, uh, I'm sorry, in the eastern part of the promised land, and they had to go west to fight the battle. The battle was in the west, and so they fought that battle, um, and uh, they, they assembled together. There was a period of about six or seven years. They fought a war, and they won the war. Uh, they won because they depended upon and trusted the leadership and the power of God. So when, when the world was, war was over, the threat had been neutralized, Joshua comes back to those tribes of the east and tells them to go home. He says, he, he, he commends them. He says, you have served faithfully. He commends them for how they obeyed the, uh, the call of God, obeyed the call of their nation, uh, obeyed the call to protect and, and love one another. And in their faithfulness, uh, they had served the purposes of the Lord. See, they, they experienced a, a victory that comes with faithfulness to God. Here's one thing I want you to understand, that God is pleased with us when we are faithful to Him. You want God to be pleased with you? You want God to, uh, uh, to, to, be, to be happy with your life? Then, then you should pursue faithfulness to God. Because when we're faithful to God, then we understand more fully His faithfulness to us. When we're faithful to God, just as they were in those days, he, 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 he leads us to be faithful to, uh, to, to our families. He leads us to be faithful to other believers. You know, I think about when I read this passage, I think about um, men and women that are out there today in uniform, faithfully serving the call of their nation. I, I think about those who have served over the years, many of them in in, in the world wars and in, uh, and in Vietnam and in Korea who, who served. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't volunteer for the job, the, the, but, but they, they went and they served because Uncle Sam called their name. And it was their duty to their nation. Many of them uh, understood that, that the nation was calling them, but many of them believed also that it was the call of God. And serving faithfully. Nobody really wants to go to war, but sometimes it happens, and we get that call. I think about the person who is, who is faithful to God in their life, because most of us will never have to experience a, 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 a national conflict on the battlefield, but all of us will experience at some time, we will experience the battle of, uh, of being faithful to God in our everyday lives. I, I think about a person who, uh, uh, who seeks to be faithful to God in, in their life. I think about the teenager who, who really wants just to be a part of stuff. And they want to be accepted and they want to be seen as relevant. And they want those connections and their relationships with their friends. And, 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 and they find out, well, hey, friends are going out. And they're going to go out and do things that if I do, that, that would interrupt and intercept my faithfulness to God. And so, although I really want to go and I really want to be part of what's going on, I'm going to remove myself from that situation, from that temptation, uh, so that I can remain faithful 
to God. You see, God is pleased with us when we are faithful to him. I think about the couple that has marriage issues and the wife doesn't respect her husband and he doesn't love his wife. She doesn't feel his love. And she doesn't, he doesn't sense her respect and the cycle goes on and on and ever so often they just want to throw up their hands and say, I, I'm done. I've had enough. Up to here, I'm gone. A lot of times they just want to do that. And, and, and instead of falling prey to the attacks of the enemy, the enemy of God and the enemy of man, they, they fight back by seeking a genuine answer to this question. And I think if we will ask ourselves this question, we will find ourselves more faithful to God more often. The question is this, what course of action allows me to be the most faithful to God? What course of action allows me to be the most faithful to God? Not what does he deserve, not what does she deserve, but how can I be most faithful to who God has called me and created me to be? Listen, none of us are perfect. If we will ask that question of ourselves and as a church on a regular basis, I believe that we will see a people that walk faithfully with the Lord. You know, in October of 2019, we celebrated uh, 113 years of ministry here at this church as a congregation. We are now on our 114th year of ministry. We are here today because of the grace of God. And we are here today because that grace of God was at work through the faithfulness of those who came before us. We ought never forget that we stand on the shoulders of those who served God faithfully in years past. We are a congregation with a history, a congregation with a legacy of faithfulness. And today, as a congregation, we should seek to continue to be faithful. So we notice a, a, a faithful people in here in Joshua 22, but we also see evidence of a faithful God. Look at verse, verse 4 here. He says, uh, he says to the, the two and a half tribes of the west, he says, now that he is uh, of the east, I'm sorry, he says, now that he has given your brothers rest, just as he had promised them, return to your homes and to your own land, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave to you across the Jordan. You, you see, we're reminded that we serve a God who is faithful. We serve a God who keeps his promises. We serve a God who can be trusted. He can be relied upon. See, we're, we're seeing the victory celebration here in Joshua 22. But if you read all the way through the book of Joshua, you see that they had some great ups, just like when, uh, when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, some big victories. But then the next battle that they were engaged in at Ai, the first time they engaged the inhabitants of that land, they saw a tremendous defeat. 
when a, when a uh, detail of 3,000 soldiers were dispatched on a scouting mission in AI, and they were killed in action on that mission. That was a tremendous defeat. And in that moment, if you go back and you read in Joshua 7, you see Joshua's response to God. In, verse, in, in Joshua 7, verse 7, he says, Oh Lord God, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? If only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan. What can I say, Lord, now that Israel has turned its back and run from its enemies? When the Canaanites and all who live in the land hear about this, they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. Then what will you do about your great name? Joshua did what a lot of us do when we're faced with tragedy and difficulty. He said, why? Why me? Why now? Why like this? How, how am I supposed to go on? What's going to happen when people hear about this? What are they going to think about Christianity when they think about this? What are they going to say about me? What are they going to say about you? I mean, it's almost as if Joshua, you know, felt like what he was going through just wasn't fair. And that, that in the midst of all of it, that he somehow believed maybe God was defeated because of that little battle. And it was a horrible thing. Thousands of people died. It was not something that you should just pass over. I'm going to tell you something, though. It didn't knock God off of his throne. Praise God, we have a living hope in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus who conquered hell, conquered the grave, and he has already won the war. I don't know if you have read forward, uh, but I have read the end of the book, and I, wanna, I don't want to spoil the ending for you, for you, but God wins. He is victorious because he is faithful. No matter what we face on this earth, we, we, we serve a God that is faithful to his people. And if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have a relationship with God through faith in Christ, then you have a hope that transcends this earth. It transcends death and the grave because our God is faithful. Some of you are probably familiar with Pastor Tony Evans, he's the pastor of Oakwood Fellowship down in Dallas. Uh, some of you are familiar with uh, his daughter, who herself is an author uh, of many women's Bible studies. Her name is Priscilla Shire. And um, just a, a, a week or so ago, uh, Tony Evans' wife Lois passed away after a, a battle with cancer. And, and um, at one of the memorial services, as they were talking about this, uh, Tony Evans' son, who also is a pastor, his name's Jonathan Evans, uh, had some words about how, how he dealt with those things throughout this process and um, some things that he sensed the Lord saying to him. In my thoughts over the past few days, I was wrestling with God because I said, well, if we have victory in your name, didn't you hear us when we were praying? I was wrestling with God the last few days. 
because this was a great opportunity that we can tangibly see your glory. Everybody was praying, not only in Dallas, but around the country and around the world. People were watching. Where are you? This was an opportunity for us to see your glory. And as I was wrestling with God, he answered. And he said, number one, you don't understand the nature of my victory. Because just because I didn't answer your prayer your way doesn't mean that I haven't already answered your prayer anyway. Because victory was already given to your mom. You don't understand. Because of the victory that I have given you, there was always only two answers to your prayers. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be well taken care of or she was going to be well taken care of. Victory belongs to me. Because of what I've already done for you, the two answers to your prayer are yes and yes. Because victory belongs to Jesus. Many said to me, you need to understand that I am God and that I am sovereign and my game plan is bigger than any one player on my field. So you need to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on you, but lean on me because I have the ability to make this crooked situation straight. I am the sovereign God. That's why they say that I am that I am. As high as the heavens are above the earth are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. We don't think the same. P.S. Don't tell me how to get my glory. Now, if that doesn't fire you up, something is wrong with you. I'm just telling you. Amen and amen. Here's the thing. This just happened a week ago. This is, this is recent. One of the things that, uh, that we see uh, that, that the family of Miss Evans understands is that when she was diagnosed with cancer and even when she passed from this life into the next, because of her relationship with Christ, she had a hope that transcended this earth. But also we realize that even in the worst things that happened, it didn't knock God off his throne. When the enemies attacked Israel, they came together and they attacked Israel as, a, as, a, as, a, as an evil alliance, a superpower, if you will. It, it did not knock God off his throne. When the enemies of the United States attacked our bases in Iraq last week, it was a horrible thing. But did not God off of his throne. See, our God has a plan. He had a plan. He has a plan. As, as uh, Jonathan Evans says, his ways, and quote scripture, God says that my ways are higher than your ways. And the thing we have to understand is that his ways are always 
faithful because God is always faithful to his promise. So, so just to sum up this, this portion and how, well, what does this have to do with, with who we are as a church, uh, I would say this just to summarize this passage that at Perryville First Baptist Church we seek to proclaim the faithfulness of God while we strive to be faithful to God. We, we seek to proclaim that our God is faithful and we strive to be faithful to our God. We strive to live in a way that proclaims it with our life and not just with our words. You see, we see a faithful people in this passage in Joshua 22. We see a faithful God and then we see a faithful mission. Look in verse 5. Joshua, remember Joshua tells them to go home. He says, thank you for your service Thank you for the way you obeyed the call of God and the call of duty. He reminds them that it's God that brought the victory. It's God who was faithful. It's by God's power. It's by God's leadership. It's by God's providence. And he is the one that not only promised the victory, but he is the one that brought the victory. Remember, he says, now that there's peace over there, just like, just like God promised there would be, then now you, you need to go home and you need to start living in the land that God promised that you would have. There are two references to the promise of God and that God is the one that promises the victory and he is the one that brings the victory. And then in verse 5, he gives them uh, uh, some instructions, some parting words. He says, oh, members of the church, but we will also encourage you to worship personally in your everyday life. That may involve more than just singing. It could involve singing. That may involve uh, reading your Bible. It involves prayer. It involves, uh, it, it involves uh, being sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We'll encourage you to pray. We'll encourage you to not only to talk to God, but to listen to God, to learn to be guided by His Spirit, and learn to depend on Him for everything we need. And, and as we worship together and we pray together, my, my, my prayer is that we would grow together. See, we seek to glorify Christ in our community and around the world by connecting, but also in growing, and growing our faith. Joshua says to them, verse 5, Walk in all his ways. Keep the commands of God. Keep his commandments and remain faithful to him. We will encourage you to be involved in Bible study classes, if at all possible, especially on Sunday mornings. That doesn't work out for everybody. Some of you logistically don't have a schedule where that can happen. And I understand that. But if you can, if it, if, if, if it works out for your schedule, you're able to come and be a part of it, we encourage you to, to jump into a, a, a Sunday morning Bible study group because really the best way to connect with others at this church and at many churches is for you to share life 
with the church members. You need to find a group of people that you can study the Word of God with, that you can learn to depend upon, that will encourage you, that you in turn can encourage, uh, people that can, can be there for you in your hour of need, in turn, people that you have the opportunity to serve and be there for in the hour of their need, uh, to be able to, to do life together. Get to know folks. You build, you build deeper bonds that God will use in the days ahead. Of course, we have Sunday night discipleship classes. We have Wednesday night discipleship classes for men and women. We have the, uh, discipleship, Bible study, ministry activities. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you say, man, that's a lot of Bible study. Amen. It is. It's what we're supposed to do. We study the Word of God. Because when we study the Word of God, we learn how to live by the Word of God. The truth is, is that the Word of God is the ultimate authority in every area of our life. When it comes to your relationship, how do I know what is up or down and what is right or wrong? It's in the Word of God. How do I know how to, how to interact with my friends or with people that I date? How do I know what it means to be a, a, a godly husband or a godly wife? How do I know and what, by what principles do I, uh, did I, do I imply, apply to my life so that I can raise my kids or invest in my grandkids? How do I know what God wants me to be like at work? It's all in the Word of God. Some of our core values include worship, prayer, Bible studies, small groups, biblical families. We seek to honor God's design for the family. So here's the deal. Your understanding of the Word of God is going to shape everything about you in this life. What you believe about God will shape everything in your life. And here's the thing, what you believe about God should not be, uh, uh, should not be formulated through what you see in our culture. What you believe about God, you cannot, you cannot find what you need by looking at nature or the things of this earth. You cannot get what you need even by singing some of the songs of, of modern worship music or old worship hymns. What you need to, in, for your life to understand and to shape your worldview and what you believe about God is the Word of God. You need a proper understanding of God's Word. Joshua tells them also to serve God with all your heart and soul. We will encourage you to serve. We will encourage you to, uh, to serve the cause of Christ as a church. We will, uh, we will encourage you to, to impact the world around us for the glory of God. And, you know, for that, that's one of the reasons why we support these missions, these uh, mission efforts, local missions, domestic missions, foreign missions. We encourage you to find uh, personal ministry ways that you can be involved. And for some of you, that will involve getting up and doing stuff. Some of you can't do that, but you can pray. Some of you can, can support those efforts financially, whatever that might be. We encourage you to find 
personal ministry. And we, uh, uh, we pray that, that you would serve in a way that leaves behind the greatest possible impact. And listen, if you want to leave the greatest possible impact behind you, you need to learn to share the gospel. You've got to learn to share the gospel. And you, 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 you've got to not only learn how to do it, you've got to do it. Because that is part of the call of God in our lives as believers. It's not just my job. It's our job. It's not Jason's commission. It's our commission. We've got to learn to share the gospel. It's like we talked about last week. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And that gospel, simply put, is probably best summarized in the most famous passage of God's word, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Salvation is a free gift of God. Bought by the blood of Christ, and it is available to everyone and to anyone, as King James so adequately puts, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My prayer today, as we read Joshua 22 and we think about who we are as a church, is that we would be a faithful people, and that, that maybe years from today, 50 years, 100 years from today, should the Lord decide to tarry and should the Lord grace us with the ability to continue doing ministry in those days. I wonder what they will look back and say about us and about what happened in these days at our time. I, I, wonder, I, I wonder if they will, uh, will look back and say that, that, that group of people, that, they were faithful to God. I don't know. I hope they will. But they will one day. And when that day comes, they're going to know whether or not we were successful at our mission. And if 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 if, if we were if they look back on our time and say, "Hey, this is a group of people who do not reflect in the ministry of Christ at that church in these days, do not seem to reflect the faithfulness of God, then it will not be the fault of God. It will not be because He was not faithful to us, but instead it will be because we were not faithful to Him. Joshua says, Carefully obey the command and instruction of Moses. That the Lord's servant gave to you. To love the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. Keep his commandments. Remain faithful to him. And serve him with all of your heart. And all of your soul. And that is the kind of person. And the kind of church. That I want to be. Let's pray.